know what the mountain represents. You don't know what the mountain is called. You don't know what it's going to be like to climb the mountain. All you know is it's a mountain. All you know is you know there's, a, there's some things ahead. And I can see that there's going to re, it's going to require of me some climbing. I can see that it's going to require of me some, some doing, some effort. My encouragement to you is pray. Pray not that the mountain is removed and cast into the sea, as we might so quickly quote. But pray instead, Father, help me interpret the mountain the way you do. Because the mountain might not, after all, be my enemy. It might be that at the top of this mountain is my purpose. And if you cast it into the sea simply because I can quote Scripture, I might miss the moment where I was required to apply energy and effort and faith to reach what you have placed at the top of it for me. Does anybody hear me this morning? You know, I love mountains. I love climbing. I love the endurance. I love the unexpected. I, I am a mountain-loving dude. I, I don't run from them. I see one, you know, a few years ago, uh, my wife and I and my, our fam, Jimmy and Jenny, went to uh, Utah. Or, no, not Utah. We went to um, Death Valley. I'll be talking about that another day when we do the desert. But we went out there. When we were out there, we were, as we were moving through these places from one place to another, from the forest, the wilderness, the desert, and all these different places. As we were moving through them, we were driving one day. And we were trying to get from point A to point B. And in that drive, we had to go through some places where there were mountainsides. And as we looked up, both Jimmy and I, we looked up and, and I don't know, it was simultaneous. I don't know how it happened. But we both looked up and we saw a hole in the side of the mountain. Now, immediately, he and I were thinking the same thing. And immediately, our wives were thinking the same thing. Jimmy and I were thinking access it. Our wives were thinking, don't do it. <laughs> we pull over on the side of the road, and it's strange when you're in a place like we were in, because what looks like is a hundred yards away isn't. It's a long ways. And we begin to make that journey and make that walk. And Jimmy and I, long story short, we climbed this thing because it wasn't something that we were going to be intimidated by, but we climb it. And we get up to this hole and we go into this hole to discover bones of things. In fact, when we entered the hole, bats begin to fly out. And it, we just waited till they flew out, then we went on in. And, um, and we did. But we had to discover and find out what is in this place up the side of this mountain. And, and in that way, mountains have, have never intimidated me. They don't bother me. I'm not fearful of them. Personally, I love mountains. But many people do not. Many people don't like the mountains, not naturally or otherwise. They don't like mountains. They don't like the idea that it's colder at the higher elevations. It requires... Uh, different garments. It requires a different um, cardiovascular whatever you might call it, a deeper, greater lung capacity, whatever it might be. But it requires something that's different to ascend these mountains. So when some people look at mountains, they see an obstacle. They see this thing, man, this is getting in the way. I, it'd be all right with me if they just bore a hole through it and I could just walk right on through. I didn't have to climb over the top of it. 
But we have to consider that if God created the world, if God created the heavens and the earth, did he stumble on day three and accidentally make mountains? What we have to know before we go any further in this series is we have to know that everything he created on this earth, the entire geography of it, whether it is a mountain, a valley, a desert, or a wilderness, the geography of this earth, God created, and he created everything good. Say it with me. He created everything good. It isn't God that decided that mountains get in the way or valleys are too difficult or wilderness is what you get lost in or the valley is what you, rains come and wash it out. It wasn't God that decided that. It was man when he came upon a situation and he misinterpreted what was in front of him. And in that misinterpretation, he felt like he learned a lesson. He felt like, okay, I came to the mountain. I could not ascend it, so the mountain is my enemy. And then he went and told his neighbor, I tried to get over that mountain. The mountain was my enemy, so therefore all mountains are enemies. It's like the guy that went to McDonald's, got a bad hamburger, never went back to McDonald's again because he thought all of them were bad. That might be true. (laughs) But you go to a good steakhouse, you get a bad steak, you think it's always going to be bad. That's probably not true. And so it begins to develop this idea among people, among friends, among family, and that begins to be passed down from generation to generation that every mountain is bad. Stay away from that mountain down the road. I tried to climb. You know, your great, 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 great grandfather tried to climb that mountain. He couldn't do it. Therefore, no one can climb that mountain. He didn't like the mountain, and no one after him liked the mountain. But at some point, listen to what I'm telling you right now. In every one of our lives in here, no matter what mountain you face, no matter how you feel about mountains, at some point, somebody has to climb the mountain. At some point, someone has to be the one to make a difference. At some point, someone has to be the one that says, my grandfather might not have made it. My daddy might not have made it. But I'm going to make it. Because I'm going to see the mountain different. I'm going to interpret this thing differently. I want to talk about this this morning. And I want to share with you a personal story of my own where in the establishing of the Rock of Central Florida 23 years ago, something that I went through that only a few people in this room, about five people in this room are aware of, but it was a challenge that um, just about got me. And when we came here, and, and here's the thing, when we came here, it was a word of the Lord that this was our land. This was the place we were supposed to come to establish the Rock of Central Florida. We were sent here from Panama City, Florida to establish this ministry. We were sent There was no question about the sending. There was no question about the call. There was no question about the purpose. And yet, and let me tell you, in the middle of all of that, I had great faith. I felt I had great faith. Kim and I together and those who were with us felt there's no question. There's almost a sense of it will be maybe be easy. And we get here. And as soon as we get here, I made a page, three pages long, of places where I felt like would be a good location for the Rock of Central Florida. Literally three pages long on a legal pad of different places that we would find as we drove around. Didn't know where to start. Didn't know where the best place was. We thought it was Oviedo. We thought it was this place. In fact, it's Oviedo that did what I'm about to tell you. We get to Oviedo, we get there, we get to these different... We st- I start calling these different places, and everybody's no, 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 no. The mountain that was before me, I've never faced a mountain more terrifying 
than I did in those first few weeks when we got here because I realized something. I've been sent away from somewhere. I'm called to this. Everybody I know knows why I'm here or why I've gone, Kim and I. Everybody knows. I believe with all of my heart God called me to this thing. And yet I get here, I don't know the land. I said, told you a little bit about that a few weeks ago. I don't know the land. I don't know where the right place is. And it suddenly, it begins to overwhelm me. And I'm in the living room at the rental house at 779 Superior Street in Deltona. And my wife and I are sitting there at the table and I start getting this headache. I'm overwhelmed. I'm looking at these, this tablet full of names of, of places and, uh, that I need to call and I need to contact. And the ones I have called are a no, 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 we don't want a church, yada, yada. And I'm looking at all of these things and this mountain is getting bigger and I'm seeing this as this thing. There's no way I can't overcome this. And, and it makes you begin to question yourself. You begin to question, man, have I done the right thing? I brought my family, my wife. I brought my little children. I've done all this. You begin to become overwhelmed, or I did, begin to get overwhelmed. And, and, I was, and I was terrified in the face of this thing, not having the answers that I needed to give me peace. And I'm looking at this thing, and we're sitting there, and I start getting this headache. And I've had headaches throughout my life, so I, you know, headaches aren't uh, uh, normally a big thing. But this was different. This headache starts getting worse and worse and worse until I have to go to bed. I can't move. I can't keep my eyes open. And it's not a migraine. It is whatever is worse than a migraine. Whatever makes you sick, so sick, movement makes you vomit, which I did. And I'm laying in the bed, and for three days, literally three days, I'm laying in that bed. My wife is bringing me something to eat. I didn't want to eat. I didn't want to drink. I was so overwhelmed. All I could think about was, I don't know what to do. I'm faced with all of these places. I don't know this land. I was difficult, impossible to live with. And I'm facing this mountain. And I'm completely interpreting this mountain wrong. And on that third day laying in that bed, I can't, my, I, it, it, I'm hurting, my head hurts so bad, my body is messed up, I'm, everything is wrong, everything is bad. And my wife came in, she said, I'm taking you to the emergency room. She gets me in the car, walking to the car, I throw up. Getting out of the car, going through to the counter in the emergency room out there at Waterman in, in DeBerry, I'm throwing up. I'm so sick and hurting and, and overwhelmed and stressed because all I can see is this massive thing in front of me. I can't even see the peak. All I see is every challenge. I see difficulty. I see impossibility. I see no pathway. And I have my wife who is amazing and she's saying, Hun, you always got this. And I know that in my heart of hearts. I know he's got it, but somehow I feel like he might have it, but man, I don't. <laughs> Anyone ever been there? And then they did this thing that's absolutely amazing. They take me back on the gurney. I don't want to move. Even the ride on the gurney, just everything in me, every movement just made me want to throw up or throw up. They get me back on the gurney and they get me back to this room and, and the guy said, are you allergic to all these different medicines? And, I, and I'm just doing my best to talk and I said no. They gave me an MRI 
And he came in there and he said, I'm going to give you morphine. And I thought, thank you, Jesus. And they gave me a shot of morphine. And I, it knocked me out. And when I woke up, I didn't have a headache. I mean, I've been fighting this thing for three days. I wasn't nauseous. I was pretty happy. I'll take another. Can I take one home? But it's when we left there. Because I knew what was going to happen was if I went home with the same mentality I got there at the hospital in, it was going to repeat itself. Because I was not interpreting the mountain correctly. And we got home, and and that's when Holy Spirit said to me, He said, if there's any resistance, move on. I'm going to make this easy for you. When I saw the mountain... All I saw were the trees and the obstacles, the vines and the weeds, and the places I couldn't overcome, the boulders that were impossible to climb. And Holy Spirit said, you start calling that list. And if they give you any resistance at all, even if they say, call back tomorrow or we'll call you back, tell them they're not the one. And the peace that swept over me is impossible to describe right now. And I started calling those. And when they would say, uh, you know what, you're going to have to call us because there's... I said, don't worry about it. You're not the one. I didn't argue. I didn't beg them. I got three pages. Don't worry about it. You're not the one. I'd call another one. Well, sir, you know, we've had churches here before and churches really mess up our... Okay, well, we're not that church, but you know what? If you're afraid of the church, we're out. You're not the one. Thank you. I was really nice. I was nice to most of them except for a plaza down there that ended up having to be bought out because they, they said some ugly things. And I, and I said, Holy Spirit, curse that building. And it was. It really was. It's another story. And, and we went on and I went through those pages and just let it be peaceful. Now, I have to admit, when I'm climbing the mountain, I'm climbing a mountain. I'm just climbing it with a different spirit. I'm climbing the same mountain. See... The promise and the purpose was at the top. It was at the top. I was never going to get to the top with a headache and throwing up because I was worried about the journey to the top. If I see the boulders and I see the big trees and I see the vines and I see the weeds and I think I don't have a machete, I can't cut through that, I can't climb over that, I can't get around that, and all I do is tell myself all the reasons why I can't. I'm never going to come into the fullness because the promise was at the top. And I got to the third page of that note list. I don't know how many lines are on a page, but each line represented a different place. I got to the third page, and somewhere two-thirds down that third page, I called somebody. And some of you were here then, 1792. And I called the people. I don't remember what their names were now. I remember the, the lady that rented it to us was, was uh, Virginia was her name. And she answered the phone. I don't remember the name of the company. She said, hey, this is Virginia with whoever. And I said, Virginia, this is Steve Parker, and I'm a pastor, and I want to start a church here in Central Florida. That's why we're here. And I said, and I'm looking for space, and I'm hoping that you are interested. And she said, I'm more than interested. She said, can you meet today? I said, you're the one. (laughs) 
Man, we went over there. That, my wife and I went over to that place. We met Virginia Boyd. Virginia Boyd was her name. And went over there and met Virginia Boyd. We walked through that. When, we, when she opened the doors on that place and we looked inside, I thought, dear God. <laughs> Right. Are you sure this is you? It was nasty. It stunk. It was, I don't even know what it was before, we, before, but it was destroyed. And we got in there and she said, this is it. And I said, all I knew is it was easy. All I knew is it didn't give me a headache. It didn't make me throw up. It didn't make me lay in the bed for three days. It didn't take me to the hospital, and it didn't require morphine to get through it. And I said, how much is it? She said, $3,600 a month. I said, I'll take it. I'll take it. Right there on the spot, I'll take it. And we got that space, and it was in that space where the Rock of Central Florida began to grow. Many of you, that's the first time we ever met you was right there in that building on 1792. We called in the people and they began to tear things out and clean things up and everything else. I say all that to say this. I use that as an example for everyone in this room today. There's not one single person that's hearing me right now that hasn't faced mountains in your life. In fact, there are those that are sitting among, under my voice right now that you're facing a mountain right now. You're trying to gauge it. You're trying to measure it up. You're trying to figure out where does this mountain fit in everything. And I read a scripture in Revelation, if you're following along. In fact, this is fitting. I was reading Revelation 21 yesterday in our Bible reading. I encourage you to join us in our Bible reading. But I was reading Revelation 21, and it said something that just was like a bomb blew up in my spirit when I heard these words. And it said that the angels, the way angels measure things is the same way that humans measure things. There's no difference in how angels give measurement. And humans give measurement. So I can tell you why you might be trying to figure it out. You're trying to measure it up. You're trying to sum it up. I want to tell you something. Angels have already gone before you. Come on, Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, angels have already gone before you. The hand of God has already gone before you and measured the height, the width, the breadth, and the depth of that thing. Doesn't come as a surprise to the Father. That thing was measured before you measured it. What we got to do is make sure our measurement aligns with his measurement. So whatever mountain you're facing, whatever mountain might be in front of you today, you're, you're measuring it up. You're looking at it. You got up this morning. Some of y'all got up this morning. Some of y'all watching online this morning. You got up this morning. All you can think about is what you're facing this week. And there's this great big mountain. I want to tell you, see it right. Interpret it correctly. Interpret that mountain correctly because the mountain, say it with me, the mountain is for me. Oh man, when I got through that mountain with Virginia Boyd and we met Virginia Boyd and she was at the top of that mountain, we, I'm telling you, I realized that mountain was for me. What it did was it taught me. Steve, you got all caught up in what you thought this was going to be. You thought, oh, the enemy is making this so difficult. The devil is so mean and cruel and look at all these obstacles the devil's throwing in my way and all the while God's saying, devil doesn't have anything to do with it. I put that mountain there on purpose so you would climb it. You keep blaming the devil and you're never going to climb it. But if you blame me for it, 
You'll climb it, and you'll access my provision for you at the top of it. So how do you see the mountains in your life? I want to begin by saying this. How you see the mountain will directly influence how you climb the mountain. When I look at it, I'm going to determine how am I going to climb this thing. I go camping, you know, I try to go camping every six months up in the mountains of Georgia, in the wilderness of Georgia. These are mountains that are not too high, but they're, they require some effort some places, quite a bit of effort in some places. And when we go in there, I'm well prepared. I didn't go in there the first time I ever climbed those mountains. My son was, Josh was just a little dude. And he went with me. And when I went to those mountains, I'd climbed mountains before. And when I went to those mountains, I didn't go in there and think, you know what, I'm just going to wear my, my vans. I'm going to wear my flip-flops. I'm going to wear my Sunday go-to-meeting shoes. I didn't do that. I said, you know what, I want to be prepared. I'm going to have to climb, so I'm going to be prepared for this thing. I'm going to make this mountain. I'm going to own the mountain. The mountain's not going to own me. And I bought hiking boots, good ones. I bought them for my son, who was a little dude that's gone through about eight different sizes since then. Bought him a little bitty backpack, about as big as my iPad. He still uses it. <laughs> it's bigger than that, but it's little. We prepared ourselves to climb this mountain. I want to tell you today what the Father wants to do is He wants to show us that these mountains that we see as so incredibly high and lofty and impossible, the Father sees them as opportunity to show His glory, to show you His glory, to build your faith. And sometimes, in order to get up the mountain, we have to change our garments. Get rid of some of the garments that we've been wearing for so long that have held us back. Depleted our faith, not built it. Sucked away our hopes, not given hope. Sometimes we've got to take those garments off and dress differently. So let's talk about what it means to change a mountain to a plain. And we're going to read this scripture. Zechariah chapter 4, verses 6 through 7, you're probably very, very familiar with, but let's read this together this morning. It says, Then he said to me, he said, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. It is not by might, nor is it by power, but it is by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Now, keep in mind what's going on here is there's a temple being built, temple being, there's a lot happening. And there's a lot of challenges, a lot of things that, are, that are, can potentially be in the way. I'm paraphrasing a lot right here. He says, but who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forward the top stone amid shouts of grace, grace to it. He's going to put the top on the temple, and he's going to say, it is finished. It is finished on this mountain. And he said, who are you, O great mountain? That You mountain, you're going to become a molehill in some versions, or you're going to become a plain. Now, in our mind, what we think happened, in our mind, what we think happened because we hook our wagons to this thought. And when we hook our wagons to this thought, we misinterpret what God is really saying. And therefore, if you misinterpret it in the first hole, you're going to misinterpret it in every hole thereafter. You get that button in the wrong hole there, it's going to be in the wrong hole down the road. 
But if we interpret this right, what God's not saying is he's not saying I'm going to wipe out the mountain. He's not saying I'm going to take this mountain and cast it into the sea. What he's saying is I'm going to take this thing that seems impossible and I'm going to give you a different perspective. So what looked like in the beginning would be an impossible challenge, I want you to know I'm going to cause your eyes to see it not as a mountain. You will see it differently. You will see it as a plane. You will see this mountain no longer there, though it is. You're just going to climb it differently. Said, so I'm going to change your perspective. You've never witnessed, scripture or otherwise, where Yahweh's ever taken a mountain and moved it somewhere. You haven't. You've never witnessed where he's taken a mountain and wiped it out and suddenly it's level. You've not witnessed that. What you do witness is what he does for you and me, Kaylee. He changes our perspective of the mountain. He said, what I want you to do is I want you to see this thing not as some great obstacle in the way of purpose, but I want you to see this as the road I've designed for you to achieve the purpose I created for you. Then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord. It is Zerubbabel. It is not by might, nor is it by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Those words right there tell you what you need to know. He said, I'm going to turn this mountain into a molehill. It will not be by might, your might, nor your power, but by his spirit. Because by the spirit, he said, I will help you see it for what it really is. It's not something you are incapable of overcoming. It is something built for you that you are purposed to walk on. Who are you, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? You shall become a plain, and he will bring forward the top stone. And on the middle of that, right at the middle of it, right on top of it, he says, I'm going to set that capstone on this thing. I'm going to say it is finished. It is done. You saw this thing correct. Listen to me now. Some of y'all with these mountains, and you keep trying to avoid it. You keep trying to go around it. You need to hear me right now. Some of you online, you need to hear me. You're trying to go a mountain. I'm just praying, God, turn this mountain into a plain. My God said, I can speak to the mountain and it will be cast into the sea. Mountain be gone in Jesus' name. And you keep looking and it's staring you right in the face. Well, it won't be there tomorrow. It's just not God's timing. I just trust the Lord. He's going to do it when he wants to do it. God. I got up this morning, the mountain's still there. Are you going to put it in the water today? Are you going to knock it down today? And the whole time God's saying, would you read this thing by the Spirit? And see that I'm not taking that mountain anywhere. I put that there. It was a lot of effort. It took me a whole day to put that mountain there. You think I'm going to move it out of the way for you? I put it there for you. (laughs) I put that there. And I knew that when I put you on the earth, when I breathed life into your lungs, when I set you and and you were birthed, I knew that your journey would take you to the foot of that mountain. Now you're at the foot of the mountain and you want me to move the very thing that will create in you the strength and the tenacity and the passion that you need to be able to access what's at the top of it. He said, not going to happen. He said, I put that mountain there for you. 
And I need you to see the meaning of the mountain like I see the meaning of the mountain. Oh, but you don't understand. Listen, he understands. What he's waiting for you to do is stop trying to make things fit so perfectly in the, in the compartment of ease in your life. And, and saying, you know what, I'm just going to sit back and let God do all the work. When the father's saying, you know what, you need to go to Academy Sports. You need to get you some hiking boots. And you need to change your garments. And you need to change your way of thinking. And you need to change the way you process things. And you need to approach this mountain not as an obstacle, but instead as an opportunity. And when you do that, you're going to see the glory of the Lord at the top of it. My wife laughs when her and I walk together every day, and we walk three miles a day, and, well, we miss some days. We've missed a few days lately, but we walk three miles just about every day. And in that walk, she always laughs at me because I'm a, I'm, I'm a fast-paced walker anyway. So if I'm just in a normal walk, I'm moving at a quick pace. Um, I don't think about it that way until I'm with someone, and they're like, why are you walking so fast? I don't consider it that way. But when I'm with my wife and we're walking and we try to do, it's not really a fast mile, but we try to do between a a 14 and a 16 minute mile walking. And when we're walking, we'll be going along this windy path in the neighborhood that we're in and there's a couple of spots in that neighborhood where where there's an ascent. You've got to climb a a little hill. There's an ascent and she laughs at me because every time we get to the ascent, she says, babe, Look at your watch, your pace. You're going twice as fast uphill than you were downhill. Why You speed up every... She said it is the craziest thing. And when we, her and I went hiking a year or two ago together, and, and when we were hiking the same thing, she said, babe, you are running up the hill. I cannot keep up. You, you hit the uphill, and, you, you, and I said, because I engage it. Man, I lean into it. When I come to that thing, and it, there's an incline, instead of, you know, keeping back and, and kind of going slow. I mean, I lean into that thing and I'm just like, I, my whole life is one that loves the mountain. Now we're going to talk about some other things that I haven't loved so much, but I've always loved the mountain. So when I get to that mountain, man, I'm engaging it. I don't care if I have a 55 pound backpack on my back. I don't care what I've got on. I'm going to engage that mountain until I am out of breath. I am moving up that hill And I can tell you there are benefits to it because I set my mind not on I'm on an incline or I'm on an ascent. I don't set my mind on that. I set my mind on this is part of the journey. And I'm not going to give it any less attention than I did the part of the journey that was behind me. What is easy and what is hard is irrelevant. I'm going to give it the same energy and the same effort all the way through to the end. When you press into, even when it seems like a struggle, and believe me, I'll get, I'll get winded. And we'll be walking up there, and we'll get to the top, and I'll say to my wife, man, I can't breathe. We'll keep walking, but I can't breathe. I can't catch my breath. And I love it. I love it. But the struggle, the struggle produces something. It changes something. It increases metabolism. It helps my cardiovascular self. Be better. Makes me breathe deep. Clear out all the fungal oxygen in my lungs stuck somewhere in there. (laughs) 
I press into the struggle and I overcome it because, and you need to know this today, the struggle, when you're climbing your mountain, the struggle is not your enemy. Everybody say the struggle. You might want to write it down. Follow along in your notes. You can write it down, but say it again. Say the struggle is not my enemy. Do you believe that this morning? What are the benefits of a struggle? Let's talk about it this morning. The struggle has many. Talked about it a moment ago. In natural terms, there's some of you in this house, including Josh, but there's some of you in this house that you're bodybuilders. You you like to lift weights. That you love that. Your your passion. You I mean, you're every day you're lifting weights, and you can give time to that. But in natural terms, it is the struggle of a bodybuilder that builds the muscle. It is the struggle of the runner that increases, as I said a moment ago, the metabolism and the cardiovascular health in their body. It is the struggle of a mother that brings forth a baby into the world. Isaiah 52.7 says this, it says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace and who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, Your God reigns. Let me read that again. It says, How beautiful upon the mountain. Now listen, first of all, Isaiah would have never been able to write this if every mountain were in the sea. And every mountain were turned into a molehill. God, make Isaiah irrelevant. Remove the mountains. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. What does that say to us? Don't despise the days of struggle. In those days, it is your feet. When you think, man, I am struggling to get up the mountain, what does Isaiah say to us? He says, it is your feet that is going to bring good news of happiness and publish peace and salvation to those who are lost. It is when you are pressing into the struggle and you see the mountain as the provision of God, not as an obstacle of the enemy. But you see that mountain is something that Yahweh put before you for you to climb and so that you can grow in Him. You can build your cardiovascular health in Him and your metabolism in the glory of God is increased. Suddenly that struggle, people look around you and they say, how in the world is that man or that woman moving up that mountain? It is a struggle. I can see them sweating and yet they don't give up. They're not giving up. Because they believe in the one who made the mountain. They believe in the one who put the mountain there on purpose. The mountain is not against you. The mountain is for you. It is for you. You don't know what lives might be changed. Because you press into the mountain. But consider this. If every time we ask God to move the mountain. My watch right now is telling me again, Steve, you're breathing too hard. I need to tell it I'm okay. I'm sorry. I'm okay. Okay. I, I did not fall. No. It's good. <laughs> I thought I had that turned off. <laughs> Thank you, Apple. But I'm telling you today, when we move up that mountain and people see us and they witness us and they watch us and they see how we approach the mountain. If we ask God, take out every mountain, and we never have to climb one. What the Father wants to do is show His glory through our ascent. He's calling us to higher places. And there's a need to be able to get to the top of that mountain 
so that you can look out over those places that he has called you to. So that mountain that we're trying to get him to knock down, that mountain that we try to get him to remove, my hope today is that you'll stop doing that and you will say, Father, help me interpret that mountain the way you do. Let me see it the way you see it. Help me engage it, change my garments, whatever is necessary so that I can ascend this mountain and reach that place at the top that you purposed for me. Know that the mountain is for you. Hebrews 12, verse 18 through 24 say, For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest, and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it will be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, Tremble with fear. Stay with me. Verse 22. He said, that's not the mountain you've come to if you see it by the Spirit. If you see the mountain in the natural, he says, when you look at it, you're going to say, no way. This is bigger than any answer that I currently have. The Father said, that isn't the mountain I made for you. You are interpreting this not the way I'm interpreting it. You are not measuring this mountain like angels measure the mountain. I need you to get in line with why I put the mountain there. He said, but instead, you have come to Mount Zion. To Mount Zion. To the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering. And to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus Christ, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a word that is better than the blood of Abel. You've come to Mount Zion, the place where resources abound and redemption is ever present. That's the Mount Zion that you've come to. The mountain is for you. We are wise when we embrace that mountain. So this is what I encourage you to do today. Name your mountain. Name your mountain. Name it. Call it what God calls it. Call that mountain the mountain of opportunity. Call that mountain the mountain of deliverance. Get up there with Moses and say, I call this mountain the mountain that I was given the keys to the kingdom on. Call that mountain whatever it is that the Father's calling that mountain. When you name it, when you begin to name that mountain, and you begin to call that mountain what God calls that mountain. You begin to climb that mountain. Again, Moses, when he went up on Mount Sinai, it took him a while to get there. And it took him a while to get back. But because he was willing to climb Mount, he didn't get to the base of the mountain and say, why do I have to climb a mountain? He saw, and I'm paraphrasing, the glory of the Lord. Something's going on up there. I don't know what it is. But I see something happening up there on that mountain. Everybody else is down here in this plane. Getting feisty and fidgety and mad. Trying to figure out what's next. Mad at me. But I see something on that mountain. No one else can see what I see on the mountain. And maybe no one else can see what you see on your mountain. Don't worry about trying to explain it. Just get your hiney up the mountain. 
And Moses looked up there and he said, I see something. I see something. And I'm climbing that mountain. And he tightened up those sandal straps. <laughs> tightened up the belt around his toga. Got him some clothes in case he got up there and it might be chilly. Here, give me another little covering. Got him a good strong staff so he could put it in the rocks and make sure it wouldn't snap off and keep his footing. Prepared himself. Where are you going, Moses? I'm going up that mountain. Why would you go up the mountain? You see all those rocks? This is a craggy place, man. This is awful. There's scorpions up there. There's snakes up there. The enemy's up there. Everything that's bad is on the mountain. And Moses said, "Mm, not everything. Not everything. You're going to kill the whole mountain because there's a snake on it? He said, I see something up there. He said, so give me the best staff we got. Give me some warm garments. I've got I to be prepared for the climb. I know it's a climb. It's way up there. I see it. I've got to be prepared for the garments. And he starts making his way up. And on his way up, I can only imagine Moses maybe... There's one moment to the next moment where Moses is considering and he's thinking, man, I hope I don't make a fool of myself. I, I really would like to know what God's thinking. I got people down here that, man, they're a problem. Only God can fix this problem. You hear what they're saying? They doubt, they fear. Man, I let them out of stinking Egypt. They're not making bricks anymore, and they're still mad. Some people just never happy, God. He takes that stick, and he puts it in a firm place. He takes a step. Thank you, Father. Moves it over here, takes another step. Thank you, Yahweh. Moves it over here. Thank you, Father. Oops, slipped on that one. That's okay. Slipped on that one. That's okay. That's okay. I'm just going to sit down over here on this rock. I'm going to tighten my sandal back up and put it on my foot correctly. It's okay. Took another step, caught his linens on a bramble bush, tore off a piece. It's okay. It's not about the, what I'm wearing. It's about the journey. It's okay. Oh, there's a snake. Oh, it's okay. I can move around it. It's a big mountain. And he gets up there, and you know what happened when he got up there? He climbed that mountain, the mountain that anyone else might have despised. Any of us might have looked at that mountain and said, there's nothing good can come off of that mountain. But he got up there, and you know what he got? He got the keys to the kingdom. You need to hear what I just said. So how many mountains... Have we prophesied to? Said, God, cast that thing into the sea. Turn that thing into a molehill. And the whole time the Father's saying, what you don't know is you're wanting me to bury in the Pacific the keys to the kingdom. You're asking me to throw away or to annihilate or to tear down the very thing I've sent you into the earth to ascend. So this is what I would do. For Moses, it was Mount Sinai. For Moses, it was opportunity. For Moses, it was a moment. I just met God. He wasn't going to meet God in the valley, and he was not going to meet God in the wilderness. He was not going to be able to look at him and see him 
be in his presence like that. He was not going to come to the place where upon this ground, this is holy, take your shoes off. Name your mountain. When you come to it, as you consider your mountain right now where you're seated, whatever it might be, you might, it might not be a mountain to you. It might be a mountain range. I mean, they name them the Rockies, the Appalachians, and you're thinking, mine are the Parkers. Doesn't matter. When you get to that mountain, if you keep trying to push it out of the way and pretend like it's not there, you're missing your opportunity. Name the mountain. So let's today. Don't do it out loud. But ask Holy Spirit today, what's the name of that mountain that he put in front of you on purpose? Say this with me. Say the mountain mountain is for me. me. Oh, you need to say it again. Say the mountain mountain is for me. me. You know what? He created it. And he's not sad about it. He created it, and he's not going, oh, I'm so sad I created that mountain and put it in front of Sam. Any mountain you come to, he prepared you to overcome. No matter what it is. Name your mountain. And when you name it, name it like a friend. Don't name it an enemy name. You're the mountain of confusion. You're the mountain of doubt and fear. I'm going to climb you. No, no, no. God didn't build enemy mountains. He created friend mountains. You're the mountain of hope. At the top of you is hope. You're the mountain of deliverance. At the top of you is deliverance. You're the mountain of understanding. At the top of you is understanding. You're the mountain of provision. At the top of you is provision. Name your mountain. Name your mountain. Come on, lift your hands with me this morning. Father, I lift up my voice with the sons and daughters of this house. I lift up my voice with this people today as they raise their hands and as we receive the word that you've released to us. Thank you. For helping us to understand that the mountain is for us, not opposed to us, but it is for us. And you created it with purpose in mind. Today we choose by word and spirit to hear your voice and to name that mountain what you call it. And we choose to ascend, to ascend the mountain today so that you are glorified. Father, reframe every mind in this place today. Everyone under the sound of my voice today. May we never again try to cast off what you put there on purpose. Help us prepare ourselves to ascend the places that you prepared for us to ascend. Not to balk at anything, but to engage it, to embrace it, and to press into it. Father, be glorified in every life this morning. In every heart, show yourself true and faithful. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen. Amen. Come on, put your hands together this morning. I bless you today. I challenge you today. As you go out of this building today, let Holy Spirit name the mountain that's in your life. The thing that you confront, you look at, name it. 
Name it. It's not your enemy. Everybody say it with me. It's not my enemy. Some, somebody might still be wondering. I, I'm not sure. I think mine's the enemy. I'm telling you, it's not your enemy. I'm telling you, it's not your enemy. And I'm telling you, the devil didn't put it there. Stop blaming the devil. Stop blaming him. God's put something in your way so that he can produce something incredible and miraculous in you. Name your mouth. I love you. I bless you. Greet one another before you go today.